Welcome to Ex Libris On Air and the stories behind the stories of today's literature and their authors. A presentation of Ex Libris Publishing, host Steve Jorgensen connects with a writer to share the vision and inspiration behind their works. Insightful, informative, and always entertaining, please welcome host Steve Jorgensen and this week's edition of Ex Libris On Air. The title of the book, The World Without End, Time for an Awakening. And the author is Prince Joseph II. And Prince Joseph joins us now on Ex Libris On Air. Welcome to the show. Thank you, uh, Steve, and uh, thank you very much indeed. Shalom to you. This book, World Without End, you say is a spiritual manuscript, and it will give knowledge concerning the three worlds that are doomed as mankind of today is presently living in this third world. And then also you'll share knowledge concerning the life of our Savior, Yeshua, of course, Jesus Christ, and his mother Mary before she was born, and give us understanding why other nation or religious groups have claimed the life and the way of Israel, the nation. So uh, I'm sure controversial to some and to others, uh, enlightenment. Yes, yes. Uh, very so, uh, Steve. Um, the book, The World Without End, is um, it's truly about um, the first chaos of the first world, which caused its destruction. And because of that, it brought on, brought on um, the second and this third world. And because of that action that happened in that first world, um, a punishment of capital punishment was pronounced upon the one who caused that chaos, that was Lucifer. And even today, um, he still waits for that capital punishment, which is by fire, which will be upon this earth, this last and third world. Well, before we get into more details, Prince Joseph, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you decided to write your book. Okay, most of course, uh, uh, I'm um, just a regular man. I retired from the Philadelphia School District as a bus driver. I uh, I went to the Masonic and came out from there of, um, as a Shriner. Um, and from there, I uh, had a, uh, a restaurant I owned and uh, operated for about uh, approximately uh, five years. And now I... Uh, uh, I'm in the process of writing this spiritual book, or finish this spiritual book, or and just about ready to continue into another, the second. But what inspired me to write this book is because of the way that my life was geared in spirituality. And um, there were questions that I wanted to 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 uh to be answered, and I found out that no pastor could answer those questions, so it was left to me to find them. And of course, the only way that I came to find the answer was by praying and um, meditation. Why should our main concern be about salvation? Well, interesting point, uh, Steve. That's the one reason why the Most High established the second and the third world because of salvation. It's a covenant that he made towards himself and towards all his creation that there would be a world 
that would never end. And that was supposed to be the first world. But unfortunately, like I say, chaos happened, which caused this, uh, the second and this third world. So the purpose of salvation is to be in that world to worship and praise the Most High forever without the iniquity of Satan or Lucifer, which caused the destruction of the first world. So that would be what many call the war in heaven? There you go, exactly. That first world. Yes. he called, Well, you see, because of the chaos in the first world, um, that was the first war. That chaos caused the first war against Lucifer and the angel of the Most High. So there's definitely heaven and hell. Absolutely. Well, we could call it hell, but it's a place of torment or a place of separation from the Most High, which means that he would no longer bless those or look upon those who have been cast along with Satan or Lucifer. Now, there are some who call for the destruction of this world. How do you see it? Yes, positively. As the Scripture says, this world will come to its end, but nobody knows when. And the, um, the, uh, the, the, the way that it would cause or uh, come to the destruction is by fire. That fire was pronounced in the first world. And the one who caused that um, fire by destruction of this third world is Lucifer. He will be destroyed by fire, and of course, that's how this world will be destroyed, by fire, in order to get rid of him and all of his principles or iniquity. Is there a true church? Uh, if so, where is it? There is no true church, uh, Steve. The true church uh, was no more after the, um, the disciples uh, with Jesus Christ or Yahshua. That was the only first church, or true church. And um, other churches that have been developed by other nations and so forth, they are not the true church. And um, that's what I have to say about that. Now, what about all the different races of this world? Uh, where did they come from? What different races of this world came from the son of Noah, there were uh, three sons. He had three sons, Japhak, Shem, and Ham. Japhak is known in the scripture as being the um, progenitor of the Gentile. But even Ham is also the progenitor of the Gentiles. And also the subseed of Shem, which is the seed of Shem, came Jesus Christ. But even some of the seed of Shem, is also Gentiles. But the different type of races or permutation came from a curse um, that was done upon uh, one of the prophets um, of the Most High were cursed by leprosy and different color of pigmentation of skin, etc., were done because of on that behalf, as well as sun that came from Esau, as, and it goes along that that deadline. What do you say about the next life? Uh, what is to be expected? That's a good question, Steve. But uh, one thing for sure, 
chaos would not be there. Um, everything that you see upon this earth is chaos, um, and it is and it is the principle of the iniquity of Satan. So if you take out all of that which is um, a, an abomination against the Most High, or or anything that is sinful or just not good to your sight, to your taste, if you take away all of that, that is closely what um, the, uh, the the last world, the world without end, would be all about, or closely. Well, in the next life, will we be able to recognize or meet with our loved ones from from this life? Well, see, you know, that is mentioned in the Scripture that um, it will not be so because take for instance if you do meet in heaven where will your love be will it be toward your loved one that was here on the earth that means that everything will be remembered on upon this earth and that is a must that shouldn't be because of the iniquity of satan are in the mind of those who you see in the last world or the world without end so therefore it will bring up more of the iniquity of Satan that you will see upon your loved one. It's not that much uh, to be said on that, but surely when one leaves this earth, leaves this earth in order to be in the presence of the Most High or to praise Him as the first world was, and that is found in 148 Psalm. What about the 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 date of the world coming to an end. Uh, does anyone know when the world will end? No, there have been many predictions about um, the world coming to an end, and nobody knows, um, honestly, no one, no one at all, because even even Jesus Christ said that uh, no one knows. So um, if he had an idea, he wouldn't have um, um, spilled it out. But one thing for sure that he put it in the scripture that we should have a idea by way of seeing the sign and what's happening upon this earth that we know that the end is not far off. Now, what about God choosing one nation to carry this way of salvation? Yes, the Most High only chose one particular nation in order to carry the covenant of salvation. And that is because upon this one particular nation, he brought forth Melchizedek, he brought forth Yahshua, and Yahshua set up the way of salvation before the foundation of the world, and towards a people that he chose before the last of the first world, or the ending of the first world. He chose the house of nation, or, or nation of Israel to be his chosen people, a people that he so loved. So this people, this nation of people, he gave as a sign to all nations of this world. In other words, a light unto the Gentiles in order to carry the way of salvation. After the order, I mean, after Yeshua, even after the order of Melchizedek. So even Melchizedek was the first of this order of salvation. And he waits and came for Jesus Christ, who came to shed the blood of this salvation. And the precious covenant, as you call it, the precious covenant of the Almighty, what is that? Yes, that precious covenant is the covenant of salvation 
which means that um, he came to this earth in a fleshly being, fleshly being, by way of Melchizedek and by way of Yahshua or Jesus Christ. And he established that way of salvation, that there will be a life forever with him to praise and to honor and bless and to, to be holy unto him. So that precious covenant, Steve, it is, it is, is real precious to him because, because of the fact that, like I say, he made a covenant to himself and he made a covenant to the heavens. And so when he went about doing that, that is most precious to him. In other words, he will kill and he will destroy because of this covenant. And that's what is in the process of being done now. Now, ever since you were a young man, you had some very strong feelings about these truths. Uh, Some folks just said that you're going to be a preacher, but... You weren't, uh, at that time anyway, didn't really think that you could ever be a preacher. That's correct, Steve. Um, when people looked at me, they looked at me and said, he looked peculiar, peculiar, I'm sorry. But, uh, and they always, my grandmother and my friend and family would say that I looked like a preacher. But that's one thing I didn't want it to be. I didn't want to become a preacher. I don't know why I was kicking against it. I was trying to do my best in order to avoid those who even thought that that I was a spiritual man. But obviously, this is a spiritual manuscript. You call it uh, written with the strong inspiration from the Most High. Yes, very much so. Because, you see, Steve, when I started to write this book, I had no idea that it was going to be so deeply involved spiritually. Matter of fact, I just didn't want to talk to people concerning this this book because I know it seems like how ridiculous it may seem. But further I got into studying, I, you know, it's like, it's just no doubt. You have, just have to have a spiritual eye and a spiritual consciousness in order to and this is the way the Most High has set his covenant to be, as is recorded in First Corinthians, I think the 20 to the 30 or the 38th verse, said that uh, he would profound the wise and make foolish those who are not that smart at all in that, in that respect, I believe. We've been listening to Prince Joseph. The second, his book, The World Without End, Time for an Awakening. Prince Joseph, tell us how to get your book. Yes, they can uh, get my book from Exhibits, uh, um, com, or either Prince Joseph, my website, princejoseph.com, either, or either my website, www.com. The world without end.com or either princejoseph.com. Thank you so much for being with us on Ex Libris on Air. Thank you, Steve. Ex Libris returns after these short messages.
Have you ever wondered why America is facing such a health care crisis? Then join us for Dr. Peter DeVette Live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. He'll answer your health care and medical questions and share with you his knowledge and opinions on topics ranging from holistic health care to spirituality and wellness. You'll find out about the roots of your health care challenges versus symptom management. The holistic approach, how the spirit, mind, and body connection is critical in both the development of illness and the solution to illness. How emotions are directly related to physical illness and how to read your body like a book. Dr. Devan will also go through your personal questions and how you can navigate through the illness maze. Supplements, medications, therapies, treatment options, surgeries, all kinds of things related to your health. Dr. Peter DeVent Live, every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirit Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature, and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Ex Libris with your host, Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, He Went to Hell. It was on his way. And the author is Alexander Askenas. And Alexander joins us now on Ex Libris On Air. Hello, Alexander. Hi, Steve. Great to have you with us. This is a very sobering Historical fiction uh, takes us back to a time where it was called the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising, and you'll give us the details on this uh, concerning the Jews and the Poles. It was a time of, well, not much is really uh, talked about it, I guess. It's kind of been lost, and you've kind of helped us see reality. I'm, I'm trying to bring up the memories uh uh, not only of the uprising in the Warsaw Ghetto, which was uh, uh, written about somewhat in the 50s and 60s, but also about the, um, the Warsaw Uprising that was uh, a year later, in August 1944. It was uh, a huge undertaking of the, the Polish uh, underground, and an uprising, probably the 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 largest, um, the, the strongest in, uh, in Europe at, at that time, when 50,000 uh, people were fighting um, for the independence and freedom. So you're, you're, uh, you focus on a time that, uh, in a place that you remember because you were there as a small child. Yes, uh, I was in the Warsaw Ghetto as a small child and. As a matter of fact, my first book uh, was 
was inspired by the memories of, of my childhood. Um, this uh, this book is, is uh, it has no my personal experience uh, other than I, I knew some some people who who were uh, fighting in the Warsaw Ghetto and now knew some people who were fighting in the uh, Warsaw Uprising uh, the, of the Polish underground. So the main character is David, a fighter in the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. That's right. Tell us about David. Well, David is a young Jewish boy who just graduated from high school when the uh, when the war started, and um, and then he's in the Warsaw Ghetto, and and the, the ghetto is is being uh, is. is is being destroyed. Uh, uh, Three hundred thousand people are gassed in in a death camp. Uh, fifty thousand dies of hunger. Fifty another fifty thousand of uh, of a typhus, and uh, very few people remain in the ghetto. And and uh, the young people starts to to uh, to fight against the Germans, and uh, he's. He's able to to kill several uh, several Germans, and and then the Germans start to destroy not only the people but also the building, but um, but uh, setting them to fire. Finally, after several weeks, the, David is able to escape from the ghetto and he is being um, helped by his uh, friends from the um, from the high school and also by his teacher um, and uh, there are Polish people who are hiding hiding a Jew because uh, if he were caught he would be uh, exterminated so um, uh, uh, as a um, critic from the Blue Ink uh, review said, uh, the the book succeeds uh, as a thriller um, set in during World War II, but it is a foremost um, a, a gripping historical document about the the last days of the Warsaw Ghetto and Jewish uprising, and also. Uh, What's quite important about the huge uprising on the Polish underground, and this uh, the main character David uh, participates in, and it's um, it's uh, even that very few Jews remained alive in Warsaw because four hundred thousand perished, even uh, those. Few survivors uh, sign up for the uh, for the uh, Polish underground fight for the Warsaw uprising. Now, in the book, I'm I'm trying to um, to deal with uh, with several myths and problems. One of the the myths is that. Um, the Jews were cowardly, and uh, and and they had proved that uh, um, that it was not true by by this heroic Warsaw uprising, Warsaw ghetto uprising, and also 
there was another myth they were not patriotic, which wasn't true either, because uh, many of them signed up for the for the Polish uh, Warsaw uprising, and 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 many of them um, died. There is a there, the, in in Poland there is a, always a, um, there is always a, a problem, unresolved problem. Uh, the, of the relationship be, between Polish and the Jews, and uh, uh, particularly in, at the time of the World War II, at the time of Holocaust, and some people uh, see only rabid anti-Semites. Uh, other people just uh, see that the, the Poles were saviors who helped the Jews um, uh, to survive, and, and it's true. There were, um, uh, not that many people survived in, in Warsaw or, or in Poland. Uh, not so many Jewish um, survivors were there, but uh, whoever survived, it survived because Polish people helped. Um, however, there were people who uh, reported Jews to the Gestapo, there were, um, and, 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 but the most people were really indifferent. So I'm trying to, to present it in, in some uh, 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 proper uh, balance uh, and relationship, uh, pointing out uh, to to people who helped and people who uh, denounced. So um, I I decided to do it in the form of a novel because I think this historical novel um, better reaches the reading public than the documentary uh, um, uh, literature of fact. Uh, if one would uh, think about uh, Leon Uri's books from many years ago, a famous book, Mila 18, about the, the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising, brought to to the reading public the, the uh, information about what happened at that time. He, another of his book, Exodus, uh, described the birth of uh, of Israel as a, as a country. I, I think that the historical novel. Uh, bring more information and are easier to to uh, describe the, the the historical facts and, and problems um, the the reviewer from the Clarion review uh, mark McLaughlin uh, wrote um, in his five-star review that this book is about fighting back, about courage in the face of fear, not of fear itself. And, uh, and uh, I think this is, this is important to, to point out that uh, both Jewish and Polish people in uh, this uh, Terrible times were able to uh, raise to uh, to a point that they that they were uh, able to 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 fight in the and in the, in the face of of fear. 
Why does his brother, David's brother, uh, cooperate with the Nazis? Yes, that's uh, well. That's that, that, that's a black uh, um, page of, of in, in in the history. Uh, there was a, a Jewish um, police in the Warsaw ghetto, and and in order to survive themselves, they they were helping. Uh, the Nazis to round up, round up Jews for deportation. This deportation to turn out to be a deportation to the uh, death camps, and uh, so, so that that was to save themselves. However, they didn't. You know, all those policemen were eventually uh, exterminated by the Germans as well. Uh, so. Um, it, it is it is uh, of some interest uh, uh, the the play that there is between those two brothers, which uh, it, it's not only limited to the to the time of war, but also um, they meet after the war, and and actually the. The brother who was in the Jewish police turns uh, turns out to be also working for the the communist secret police. So uh, and 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 the book describes uh, how the communist secret police uh, was persecuting uh, Polish underground, and also the in the book there is a. There is a description of pogroms of Jews um, that, that happened after the war. Um, in other words, I, I, I've been trying uh, to present both good and, and bad um, behaviors of uh, on, on both sides of of the. Uh, of the wall that divided, uh, that separated the, the Warsaw Ghetto from the Polish side. The, the terrible behavior of, of many people, uh, as well as very helpful behavior of many people, uh, happened during, during those terrible times, and it's possible that if People who would not be exposed to to the horrors of war, maybe uh, maybe they would remain moral citizens of 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 their country. Now, this Warsaw Ghetto uprising was it worth losing so many lives? Well, uh, in the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising, there was nothing to be lost because uh, most Jews were dead already. And so maybe a few thousand of, of Jews remain only in the ghetto. So, uh, and, and it was known that they will be exterminated. So there was nothing to be lost. So, uh, so even the, the fighters were, were killed, most of them, a few survived. Uh, that, uh, that 
that was uh, that was known that there is no other choice. Now it was somewhat different in the Polish uh, this this very large uh, uh, Warsaw up, uprising that happened in August 1944. Uh, that uh, it, it it was a a very brave uh, heroic undertaking, but. Uh, it, it was doomed because uh, so many people were killed, and uh, whether it was worse, um, many historians think that maybe not. That it uh, that it was a, a very heroic and brave gesture, but uh, um, not uh, uh, not worth it. However, there, there was a. Um, there was a, historically speaking, there was a, a, a what, what was important that uh, the people in the Warsaw uprising were counting on the on the Russian offensive. Uh, offensive, uh, the, the Russians were standing just close to the Warsaw, and and they stopped uh, and they. Uh, Stopped the military action and let the the uprising bleed to death. If if Russians would uh, start to move forward, uh, probably uh, not that many people would be killed and, and and the city would not be completely destroyed. We've been listening to Alexander Askanas, and he is the author of his book. He went to hell. It was on his way. Alexander, we can get your book from your publisher, Ex Libris. Any other places? Well, uh, that, that, uh, that, that's about this. That's about it. Um, uh, I, I think it uh, just wanted to, to say what uh, Mc, Mark McLaughlin from Clarion said. Um, in his review, that he he wrote that this novel makes proud all members of Polish resistance, Jews and Gentiles alike. Well, thank you very much for being with us, Alexander, on Ex Libris on Air. Thank you very much, Steve. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Okay, we will. We're going to teach you how to tell your money where to go. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Learn how to be a savvy investor from someone who has your best interest at heart. Pam Otten is a financial advisor who loves to help successful business owners and entrepreneurs understand the mysteries of the investment world. And she's not afraid to share that knowledge. Pam is an unashamed Christian and qualified kingdom advisor, which means she's trained and committed to integrating biblical principles into her financial advice. Pam believes investing isn't rocket science. This is the financial advisor who's in your corner and truly understands and cares about you and helping you achieve your goals. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for you to be a rock star. Get ready to rock with Rock Talk and Craig Deswalt. And learn how to achieve rock star status in your industry every Tuesday afternoon at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com.
Craig Deswald is the creator of the Rockstar System for Success. Craig will share easy tips and strategies on how entrepreneurs and businesses can use outside-the-box marketing strategies to stand out from their competition. Each high-energy show will feature interviews with celebrity rock stars as well as business rock stars. For more on Craig, the show, and the Rockstar Marketing Boot Camps, check out the website, CraigDoswaltDuswalt.com, so you can learn how to be perceived as an expert and celebrity in your field, so more people come to you to buy your services and products. Then, get ready to be a rock star with Rock Talk and Craig Doswalt, Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on Tugginet.com. Welcome back to Ex Libris with your host, Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, Stain, and the author is Gabriel Keeley. And Gabriel joins us now on Ex Libris On Air. Hello, Gabriel. Hello, Steve. Nice to be with you. Well, great to have you with us uh, all the way from the, um, the Kingdom of England, right? The United Kingdom. This book is a real mind bender because we're talking about identical twins, and but this has quite a twist because these twins have psychosexual and personality disorders, and it kind of pits them against each other, doesn't it? Indeed, yes. Um, the, the, there is um, the, 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 the norm for identical twins in terms of their relationships is that that um, they're very close. They almost have a sixth, sixth sense about each other. They, they don't need other people in their world um, because, uh, because they don't need them. They're, they're, they're so interdependent in a natural way, not in a forced way. And, and um, uh, that usually exists throughout, that kind of relationship exists throughout their lives. But there are... Uh, there are documented exceptions to that, where perhaps for the, at a certain stage in 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 the lives of uh, identical twins, they can become polarised, and when that happens, uh, they can be very very destructive uh, t- towards each other and do serious damage to each other, and usually that stems from dysfunctional uh, family upbringings. Um, perhaps uh, abuse and so on um, that creates that kind of scenario. And uh, the book really centers on a story around that. And it's told from one of the twins' point of view, the twin Gregory, who uh, literally is the uh, victim of being destroyed by his twin brother. Indeed, yes, that's right. Um and it arises out of perhaps, um, you know, a, a common, you know, one, one, of, one, of, one of the cardinal sins of humanity, you know, envy or jealousy. Uh, he becomes so embroiled and jealous um, towards, uh, towards Gregory that uh, because Gregory is setting up um, a business that is, has potential to be extremely profitable, um, and uh, because he's not included in this, he seeks revenge, and so he takes steps to uh, uh, destroy him by 
in the best way, in the most effective way possible by making, not directly accusing him, but innuendos of child sexual abuse with threats that um, if Gregory didn't uh, cough up with some money or uh, compensate him in some way for what he perceived was a breach of promise not to be a partner in the business, uh, then uh, he would uh, report Gregory to the authorities. Um, and that's, of course, uh, for, for anybody working in schools, uh, for somebody so close and also in a powerful position himself to make an accusation like that, uh, that causes a domino effect where all the agencies become involved and the whole thing gets completely out of hand. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a major uh, series of investigations and inquiries and belief systems become entrenched about uh, the motives of the person uh, running the establishment and so on. So it was the best way for Pius to uh, destroy his brother was to make those kinds of threats. But trouble with Gregory was because he felt so vulnerable uh, in that situation, um, he naively went to the police and reported the blackmail or the threats of it to the police. And what the police did was uh, they indeed investigated the complaint, which is their duty to do, but also they investigated Gregory, because there were child protection issues involved here, you know, and there could be substance to this. And this is where the thing becomes completely, the, 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 the twist occurs, and Gregory becomes more of the suspect than Pius. Uh, so the whole thing rebounds on Gregory. So a whole abuse of power by the state. Indeed, yes, yes, indeed. And the steps that they take to to twist and <clears throat> distort um, events and circumstances that they find within the school or the judgments that Gregory makes. And they say, oh, well, it, you know, the, um, uh, the situation escalates where they're feeding off each other in almost um, an hysterical way because Gregory is not really conforming to the requirements, the exact requirements that are set out because he's putting the relationships between himself and the pupils before the targets and the requirements that are laid down by the regulators. <laughs> so there's a conflict there as well. You want us to learn lessons uh, from uh, this scenario because, of course, you have this dysfunctional family, and, of course, Gregory and Pius are, are uh, products of that, and they're, as you put it, they're ticking time bombs. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, they are brought up, and, uh, you know, and there are sort of, <clears throat> there are lessons to be learned from this as well, that... Um, in any kind of extreme fundamentalist upbringing, no matter what the religion is, whether it's um, uh, Islam, Judaism, Christianity, Catholicism, whatever the religion is, if, if you're brought up in a very 
zealous household where there is a toxic mix of the zealotry and domestic abuse, uh, then that has a very damaging effect on the mental state of the offspring as they grow into adulthood. And that is one of the underlying uh, themes within the book that, 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 that emerges. And, uh, and uh, it, 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 it causes Gregory to question his faith and everything that he strived for in his life, because at one stage he was preparing for the priesthood, for the Catholic priesthood, and um, uh, uh, he was he was a very devout Catholic. And when all this came about, and you know, he he starts to question who he is, why he is the way he is, and you know. He's got questions that he wants to ask God, and he wants God to answer these questions, you know, because it's not just about free will, it's about his humanity. And he wants, and he can't understand, and he gets into situations of total despair um, over this. And, uh, of course, Pius himself, um, he no longer in terms of his lifestyle, he's not, not living by the rules either, you know, and uh, he, he's gone completely off the rails. And of course, we're not just talking about the impact upon these identical twins, we're also talking about wives and children and indeed. even girlfriends. Indeed, indeed, and how damaging it is to them as well, because <clears throat> if you can imagine... For example, if we look at uh, Gregory's situation, first of all, um, when he eventually gets arrested on suspicion of an indecent assault against a child, that happens in the mo on the morning when uh, just before his children are going to school and car, car loads of police and detective arrive at the house and the children are ushered away quickly, and uh, you know it's it, it, it's all done sort of by complete surprise, and nobody's expecting it within the family, and how they react, and the turmoil, and the, the kind of despair and distress that it causes to Francis Gregory's wife, and then the kind of explanation that they have to give to the children, and then the stigma that is attached to that, and how they you know people people. Things start finger pointing and tell there's no smoke without fire, and that, the kind of effect very, very damaging. The children getting bullied in school because uh, uh, some some children see see local news reports about Gregory, um, you know, being accused of these things and being arrested and charged, and that has a devastating effect on the children and on Gregory's wife Francis, and similarly with Pius. Pius's uh, tendency to be a control freak and to try and control the lives of women, but he's also got this um, uh, cross-dressing tendency, which is very difficult for some wives, some of the wives, to to um, uh, to accept. And uh, he's got uh, he gets jealous of 
because because he's entering into other relationships. He's he's, he's been married four times, and and he's going into onto his fifth match. Well, he's going through a kind of um, a split with his fourth wife, and his children and, and her children. He's become so jealous of the affection that his wife has, the relationship that his wife has with the children, that he starts to damage the children by teaching them how to shoplift or sending a love letter to the daughter or getting the, the, the boy, the, the stepson, to, to, um, to uh, because he thinks he's too big for his boots, locks him in his bedroom and gets him to earn his clothes back. And it's all this control and, and devastating effect that he has on, on, uh, on, the, on, on you know, the relationships he has with these women. Um, and they all break down, um, you know, over a period of time. But it leaves this terrible stain, this scar, on the character and, and the uh, disposition of of those children and those wives. So, in 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 each respect, in respect of Gregory and Pius, the damage it seems to be passed on the sins of the father down to the, through, through the generations. How can those sins uh, from the father not be passed on from generation to generation? Well, I think that, uh, I think that uh, this, is, this is the big question that, um, that I'm, I'm posing in the novel, that, uh, that uh, it's really to do with, um, first of all, Getting a be- gaining a better understanding of oneself, and the only way you can do that really is by talking to people who are, who are close to you and, and and who you can trust and who love you, and 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 being open about um, some of the things that are going on in your life and nurturing each other. I mean, the thing about the twins was that that the twins um, were very complacent about their relationship they thought they were as as they were growing up they were on top of the world they didn't need anybody and uh, they didn't look after each other and they didn't support each other and they didn't help each other and they became in the end um competitors in a way and, and instead of being um showing perhaps a bit more love and tenderness and i think I think communication is is a very important start, and 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 d- developing an understanding, and being you know um, through acceptance and not treating each other as as a as a rival, and uh, or, or 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 getting jealous about one person's achievement or, uh, or, or what, what, whatever. And it, it's a very difficult question that I've put. How do those, how can you stop this from happening? Because it, it is like, um, in a way, a vicious circle. Right, and this vicious circle really personifies this struggle between good and evil. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, I was thinking uh, recently in in England they've <clears throat> they've exhumed the body of King Richard the Third, 
who died in the Battle of Bosworth. <laughs> and Shakespeare demonized uh, Richard in, in, in his play, uh, Richard III. And, and um, uh, one, of, one, of the, <laughs> one of the things he says in his play is, the evil that men do lives after them. The good is often interred in their bones. And all human beings have good within them, as well as evil or, you know, because we are all creatures of the fall of man. You know, we're, we're, we inherit that legacy in a way as human beings. But it's the bad things or the bad things that happen very often um, live on after, after you've died. You know, people remember, remember you for, 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 for the bad things unless for your achievements in certain circumstances, if it's, noto if it's no notoriety we're talking about here, of course. The title of the book... Stain, and the yeah. <laughs> author is Gabriel Keeley. Gabriel, tell us how to get your book. All right, okay. Uh, well, we have um, a couple of online routes, which is um, through the publisher, exlibris.com, or through amazon.com, or through barnesandnoble.com. And alternatively, the book can be purchased um, at your local bookstore. Um, I am hoping, uh, well, I'm, uh, with Ex Libris, with, with their help, to, uh, to develop a website. And uh, there'll be more information on that. But because the book has only just, well, it hasn't really been officially launched. It's brand new. And I'm a new author. <laughs> So, uh, so all this is new to me as well. But, but it is for sale. It is for sale in the way that I've described, online and or at your local bookstore. Congratulations, Gabriel. Thanks for being with us on Ex Libris On Air. Thank you very much, Steve. It was a pleasure talking to you, and thank you for giving me this opportunity to, to, to let people know about my book. Join Steve Jorgensen next week at the same time as he explores the passion and the inspiration behind the works of today's authors. Right here on Ex Libris On Air.